just go very much that like empathetic approach. And I ask a lot of questions and then just touch on the things that they actually care about. Um, if you, if you listen to what people have to say, then you can actually find the problem, the root of the issue and take care of that and then offer a solution for it. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me today, I'm excited to have Travis Chapel. Travis, how are you doing today? Doing really well, Todd. How are you? I am fantastic. A little bit about Travis. He is a podcasting consultant, real estate investor, and professional connector. He is the creator and host of Build Your Own, Build Your Network, a top 25 business podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs cultivate genuine relationships, grow their inner circle, and leverage a powerful network the right way, which is all fantastic stuff and all stuff I think my listeners are going to be really into. So Travis, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more about your background and then what your focus today is? Yeah, sure. So background was basically all in sales. So when I was in college, um, started in door-to-door sales. Uh, It was my first really, I guess, stint into making money in the business world. And, you know, as a entrepreneur, I think we all kind of have that itch growing up. And so like in elementary school, I would take stuff to school and sell it to the other kids. And in high school, I started my first quote unquote business with a friend of mine, um, started doing landscaping, mowing lawns. And we put in, uh, put in, did did like sod jobs and sprinkler work for, for real estate flippers, um, that just wanted to, you know, put lipstick on the front lawn basically. So we would do that. And, and, uh, then I, I got really burnt out on that stuff in college and, uh, basically just started hiring out everything that we had done on that company and just started giving all the work to other people and uh, focusing in school. So uh, then I, in my junior year, I think, uh, sophomore, junior year, uh, my buddy started in door-to-door sales. It was sophomore year, uh, spring semester, sophomore year, he started door-to-door sales. And uh, he started making some decent money and caught my attention. And uh, so I asked him for an intro to the supervisor. He hired me and I started knocking on doors that week. Um, got promoted my first week, got promoted again my second week. And then within about three months, I had my own team. And then within about six months, we were the number one team in that company at the time was the number mm-hmm. two residential solar installer in the country. And uh, so we were just, you know, knocking on doors in college, making some money, having a good time and uh, continued along that trajectory for the next four or five years. So I did six, seven years of door to door sales, um, retail uh, sales, um, uh, training, managing, uh, consulting, all that good stuff. And basically just realized about halfway through that, uh, time period that it wasn't going to be the thing that I wanted to do forever. Um, although I knew several people that had made very successful careers out of it, um, just wasn't for me, just wasn't, um, wasn't the thing that I wanted to continue to do, um, for the rest of my life. And so I started kind of diving into personal development for the first time ever. Um, started reading some books and, uh, listening to some podcasts and different things like that. And uh, that's when I got turned on to the idea of, you know, start starting into the online world. And I figure everything else, everything's going online. So if I can figure out that game, it'll probably do me a lot better in the future than continuing to stick with this um, like belly to belly stuff that I did. So um, that's when I, that's when I jumped into the podcasting space and uh, it's been almost three years now. I haven't looked back. I went full time about a year, about a year and a few months ago. Um, went full-time with it. And now that's, that's my main thing, man. That's what I do for, for, uh, uh, full-time. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so door-to-door sales, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause that's, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a little jealous actually, cause I didn't do any door-to-door or I didn't do any, I didn't have any sales experience and I built my company without it, but yeah, uh, that's a pretty valuable experience to, you know, Tell me about kind of that experience a little bit. What'd you learn doing that? Um, what what kind of mistakes did you make? What did you like and hate about it? Yeah, sure. And to kind of touch on that and piggyback on what you said at the beginning, yeah, it's an invaluable skill set yeah. um, that takes you throughout whatever you end up doing, in, in especially if it's in business entrepreneurship. But you know, everybody sells stuff all the time, um, even if you don't have a quote unquote sales job. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, sales is the lifeblood of any business. So I think the only reason I was able to go full-time as quickly as I did with as small of an audience that I had when I went full-time 
was because of that, because I knew that I could sell stuff. So all I really had to do was get on the phone with people that were paying attention to my stuff and listen to what they wanted me to build and then sell it back to them. And I was confident in my ability to sell that, um, sell those products and services to uh, the people that were following my stuff. And so I, I think, I think that's one thing that holds a lot of people back is that they just, they, they can't, they can't continue to invest in themselves and in their business because they're not confident in their ability to go out and create more revenue mm-hmm. um, to replace the money that they're looking to invest in other things. So they kind of just stay stuck at the level that they're currently at because they don't ever take the risks to get to the next level because they're too afraid that the money's going to go away forever rather than being confident in their ability to go generate more money if the investment doesn't work out as planned, which sometimes it doesn't. So, um, but that's just kind of a quick tangent there. Um, a couple of the big lessons that I took away uh, uh, first off and, and really foremost would probably be emotional intelligence, um, especially when it comes to a sales conversation. Because um, obviously when you're knocking on some stranger's door and trying to sell them a product within the next 30 minutes so that they have not been thinking about or really even cared about up to that point, like you have to really learn how to read people and how to do it well and how to do it fast so that you can move on and, and so that you can, you know, maximize every door that you're at or move on. And uh, so being able to tell, you know, that somebody was disinterested when they said they were interested or vice versa um, uh, or being able to tell when they were just not paying attention so that I could ask a question to re-engage them into the conversation, like that kind of stuff proved to be, you know, really invaluable. And even today now it's still super helpful. They, say that, you know, they say that communication is only 7% the words that we say um, and uh, 55% body language and facial expression and 38% tonality. Um, So if you really look at that, you know, if you don't have that emotional intelligence and you're just taking people at what they say only, then then you're really going to be missing out on a lot of opportunity. And I think that's the difference between you know, somebody who closes at a rate to make a $70,000 income and somebody who closes at a rate to make a quarter million dollar income is the ability to like see past what the person's actually saying and dig into the root of the issue um, and then solve that problem for them. So um, there's so many things that I took away, but emotional intelligence has to be at the top of that list. Um, Dealing with rejection has to be at the top of the list. Uh, Even with the success that I had in door to door, you still get rejected all the time and in very colorful ways. Um, sometimes, uh, not, you know, not limited, uh, to like people don't, people don't really care when you're knocking on their door, like you're at their house and it's their kind of sanctuary. So, you know, I've had multiple people, you know, cuss me out and tell me to get off their porch and all that good stuff. Um, but, uh, it just teaches you to have a thicker skin and it teaches you that, that, uh, you know, for every person that says no, there's another person out there that will say yes, and you just got to go find those people um, and really teaches you uh, how to weed through those people and, and just move on to the next one without loss of enthusiasm. And uh, that, that right there, just that one lesson, that principle, even not, in a, not even in a sales conversation, but just in life in general, um, you know, just that one principle can really take you a lot of places. It's just the ability to stick in things longer than most people um, just because you're able to handle the the failure after failure, the rejection after rejection, um, and then just continue moving along like nothing happened or like the last one worked out well. Um, that's not something that I think a lot of people can do mentally. And uh, so that was that was probably another huge one. So emotional intelligence, re- um, dealing with rejection. There's so many other ones, but that's probably probably the top two. We've had <clears throat> my daughter uh, sells Girl Scout cookies, right? So she goes. Oh uh, yes. Awesome. And uh, I stand back and let her do her thing. And yeah. uh, she gets rejected. And she gets people that sometimes kind of yell at her for being. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it crazy? Isn't that crazy? A Girl Scout, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm like, dude, like, my daughter's like, nine years old and you're yelling yeah. at her. You know, the- yeah, chill <laughs> out. Yeah, so you can imagine me being like a 22-year-old, like, you know, 220-pound, six-foot-one dude with a big old beard standing at your door knocking at 7 30 p.m like yeah you get some pretty negative responses if <laughs> if people if people react that way to a nine-year-old girl selling girl scout cookies right. like right. they're gonna react pretty poorly to <laughs> to someone like me but yeah it's crazy yeah. man people people are out of their minds 
but you have to realize that's just part of the deal, man. You got to realize that some people are out of their minds and like, it sucks for them, honestly, because it probably means they have a pretty crappy life if they have to take out their frustrations on a nine-year-old girl that's just trying to sell some Girl Scout cookies. What I tell my daughter. Encouraging that, you discourage that and then yell at them, like, get up. Like, get over yourself, yeah. man. Like, you need to fix some things internally because they're just not happy people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my daughter, I can, you know, I can still remember the first couple of times it happened. And it's like, you know what? Ever, nope. Some people just don't want to buy it. And we just move on. We just go mm-hmm. to the next person. And, and all we're trying to do is provide people opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's all, that's all we can do. And if they yeah. don't want to take it, well, then that's fine. So. Yep, exactly. And then I would just mess with them further. So uh, <laughs> I would stoke the fire a little bit just to, just to have some fun. That's, that's one of the ways that I would get around it is just to, cause we'd always just come back with stories. Like it, it was, it was a lot of, there's a lot of fun times from door to door, man. Like we would just come back sometimes and go grab a beer afterwards and just like chat about some of the ridiculous things that happened that day with some of the other reps and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, crazy people, man, out there. Yeah, sure. you probably have to have thick skin and then just have some fun with the rejections. Just exactly. It's not personal. It's not personal. Yeah, I used, to, I used to try to see how long I could keep them on their porch. Like when they would, when they would, when I knew immediately it was somebody that just hated me. Just, it was crazy to me that somebody could literally have feelings of hate in their heart for me just because I knocked on their door. Mm. Like I didn't even get to say oh, anything no. before you just started like laying into me and cussing me out like that. The thought of that, that's just insane to me that somebody could actually feel like that about another human being that they're standing in front of just because of the act of knocking on their door. So those people, you know, they were being jerks first. So I would just try to see how long I could keep them on their front porch without closing the door in my face and uh, try to waste as much of their time as possible. But so yeah, dealing was, with that, yeah you know, dealing with that, did you just like, what was the thought? Was it just like, look, these people don't, I'm not going to let it bother me or did it bother you sometimes? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it bothered me, uh, to a certain extent, uh, just because it doesn't feel good when another human being right. reacts that way. Right. Um, but, uh, but that's why I had fun with it. Cause I was just like, you know, sometimes I would even just ask them like, Hey, like, are you having a rough day? Like I, I didn't even say anything. And you just like, I would literally just ask people questions like that because I, genu- I genuinely was curious. I was like, why, what is causing why? you to be like this right, right now? Right. Like who cares that I'm trying to sell you something? Like, I'm just trying to make a living to support my family. Just like you try to make a living and support your family. Like why, just because I do it in a different way that why, why are you so upset? Like you're so physically like, like physically changing upset about the fact that I just knocked on your door. Like, is there something deeper going on, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like you having a rough day, like what, what happened to you to make you, make you react like that to somebody is insane. Um, But it also had made me have a lot of empathy for a lot of different other career paths that maybe I would have looked down on, or maybe I wouldn't have been able to empathize with and just understand that like everybody's just trying to do their best the way that they can like, you know, provide for their family and, 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 uh, and do what they're supposed to do. So it, it gives you a lot of, a lot more empathy to kind of sit there and think about like, well, what if I was in this person's shoes? Like, what would I be thinking, um, at this point, you know? And, and so it definitely helps you kind of see both sides of the table a little bit more as well. Yeah. So for these, uh, you know, you talked about the emotional intelligence and the, the disinterested people, um, you know, what are, what are some tips? Like, how do you, how do you, get that interest level up? How do you shift? And do you have any tips on that when people are saying, Hey, I want to get people interested in my business and my company and what I do, but they're, I can tell they're trailing off or they're just not interested. Yeah. I would just ask a lot of questions. Um, so if I was like in the middle of something and I knew that people were, um, starting to tune out, and uh, I could like tell by the look on their faces, they're getting really disinterested. I would, I would just ask questions and people really respect honesty, man. So I just remember this, this one time I was training a rep um, and uh, he was just struggling. He had been at it for like two or three weeks and just wasn't seeing any results. And so he asked if he could come shadow me and I was like, yeah, sure, man, no worries. So we go to this house and knock on the door. And at the time I was selling solar. And as soon as they opened the door, they're like, oh, we're not interested. And I just kind of laughed a little bit and was just like, oh, really? Not interested in what? And uh, they were like, well, whatever you're selling. And I was like, oh, well, you know, good news. I'm not really selling anything. Um, we're just talking about how to save you a little bit of money on your electric bill. You pay your electric bill, right? Yeah, cool. So, and so I just kind of like would ask them questions like, 
when they would say just blanket statements like, oh, I'm not interested or, um, you know, it was just these reactions that people have to typical sales conversations. Yeah. Um, they're already which, saying no before they even know. Right. Right. They don't know what the opportunity is. It was like, yeah. okay, well, how do I make them try to be at least open to the opportunity? Yeah. And usually it's through asking questions. Um, oh, did, did something happen with the solar company in the past that made you like not trust those types of companies? Mm. Um, you know, tell me about that or, you know, try to get them to just talk a little bit more. The, the, the gut reaction when you're in a situation like that is for you to try to talk more, for you to try to convince them that what you have is awesome. But when in reality, like you don't really know what's bothering them. So when you just start talking, you're just assuming that you know the issue and the problem and nine times out of 10, you probably don't. So you're just continuing to talk and continuing to bug them. And every second that goes by when you're talking about something that they don't care about just increases the likelihood of them shutting the door in your face uh, without letting you get a chance to say exactly what you're talking about. So, um, so I just remember like talking with this girl for, I don't know, probably like 10, 15 minutes asking her a few questions. And at the end of it, we had a consultation scheduled for me to come back. And the rep that was shadowing me was just like, man, how did you do that? Like, like she literally from the very beginning said no. And then 15 minutes later, you're walking out with like an appointment to come back and like build a, a system for her house and, and sit down with her for a consultation. Like what, what happened? And that was exactly what it was. It was just empathetic, like uh, empathizing with her, seeing her side of the table. Like, look, I know it's 6.45 PM on a, on a Wednesday evening. Your husband's not home from work. I'm not trying to, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, sell you something right now. I'm not trying to do this, not trying to do that. Um, I completely understand where you're coming from on that. Um, the, the big thing is just to understand that we aren't here to like pitch you on something that you don't need or want. That's like, that's not going to benefit you and the family. If I didn't think that it would actually help you guys out, I wouldn't even be here right now. Um, and, and, uh, I just go very much that like empathetic approach and I ask a lot of questions and then just touch on the things that they actually care about. Um, if you, if you listen to what people have to say, then you can actually find the problem, the root of the issue and take care of that and then offer a solution for it. Um, which in, in some cases we would try to get into the house immediately that that night. Um, other cases like that one where there was another decision maker in the process. Um, and, uh, I knew that it, they, she wouldn't say yes without her husband there. It was just like, okay, well, like at least just have us come back. It's totally free. It doesn't cost you anything to just check out the numbers. If the numbers make sense, let's go for it. If they don't make sense, then don't go for it. It's very, very simple, very linear. I'm not going to waste your time. Like a lot of other people will. Um, but people just kind of respect that matter of factness and honesty, and um, they'll feel that connection to you if you can actually empathize with them and like see things from their side of the table. Yeah, and I think low pressure too. Yeah, yeah sure. That's a lot yeah. of what I heard you say there. Yeah, with the with the that's the idea that you have to give to them, right? So um, after I sold solar, I, I sold door to door alarms uh, for like a year and a half, and that was a little bit different of a game because we didn't do comeback appointments. Um, it was all that day. Uh, so the, the conversation had to be a little bit different with those ones, um, where, where with solar, we, like, we had to actually go build a system and like, look at their roof and build a, a CAD, a computer animated design on like what it would look like, where the panels are going to go, make sure that there's enough space on the roof, build the sheet. Like there's a lot of different things that we had to do. So we had to, you know, do like a, you know, initial point of contact to consultation type of a thing. But, um, with alarms, it was very much just like knock on the door get in the house, do a quick walkthrough, sign a contract, leave. And then usually when you're leaving, the installer's like 30 minutes behind you and they're about to mm. install the alarm. So um, it, it really kind of just depends on what you're selling. And, uh, and you have to just, you have to just kind of work the person who, whatever type of personality they are and yeah. play to whatever those facts are and understand that not everybody is one is sellable. Some people just aren't sellable. Even if you take the best door to door reps out there, you're not gonna be able to close every single person. So, yeah. um, but you have to be able to tell is this a person that I can dig further with or is this a person that I'm not going to be able to sell? And is it a waste of time for me to talk to them? Because I had some of those people when I started getting more of like that arrogant, you know, um, uh, attitude of like, I can sell anybody type thing when I've been doing it for a while. I just found that I started wasting time because I was talking with unsellable leads and, um, and trying to sell them and, you know, spend 45, 50 minutes with the person. And then at the end of it, it's still a no, or you spend that long with the person at the end of it, they didn't pass credit or there weren't even the homeowner or the decision maker. And so like trying to figure like you, you have to, you have to just be able to work through those types of things, which teaches you obviously a lot of, uh, of that emotional intelligence. Like I was talking about, if you're talking to the, you know, 30, 40, 50 people in a day. Definitely. So let's shift over to kind of what you're currently focused on this build your network is uh, mm -hmm. you're, you're talking about 
how to grow your inner circle, how to leverage a powerful network the right way. And I think my <clears throat> listeners would be very interested in some tips with that. So you can break it down for me. You know, how do we build the powerful network? How do we create and grow our inner circle and cultivate these genuine relationships? Yeah. So first thing is you have to get rid of the old way of thinking about networking, um, which is like that 1980s version of like, let's go to this cocktail mixer, put on a name tag, print a thousand business cards and try to close business on first point of contact. Like a lot of people treat networking like it's an in-person cold calling activity. And if you're going to do that, you're just going to get left behind. Like, will it work? Sure. The more hands you shake, the more money you make. It's a numbers game. It will eventually work and you will eventually book business from it. But is it the type of business that you really want? Probably not because that person's probably at that event to try to pitch everybody else that's also there. And it's just going like, you're, you're literally building relationships with takers in scenarios like that. And you yourself are a taker. If you really look at it, the reason you're there is not to help other people. The reason that you're there is to help yourself. And the reason that everybody else is there is to help themselves. So when you build a network that's full of takers, it's just going to drain energy from you. And sure, you might be able to make a seventy-five dollars to $125,000 a year income. And a lot of people do in that, in that bracket. But I don't know any seven-figure person that treats networking like that. Zero. I don't know any. Like I've, and I've interviewed a lot of them. You know, I've had more coming up on 400 episodes of the podcast now. And uh, it's gonna be a lot of insight into that type of stuff because they don't do it that way. Only the people that are like battling for scraps, those are the people that do it that way. The, like I said, the, the real estate agent who's making $55,000 a year and trying to get to 70, they close one or two more extra deals. If I can just go to this networking group every, you know, every month and I can get one extra deal from that, I'll bump up to $70,000. Like that's a great income. Okay, if that is the type of income that you're okay with, sure, it might work. Um, but it's never going to be self-sustaining. You're always going to have to keep Powers. doing it. Right, right. Like it's not, it's not a way to build a sustainable um, business that keeps bringing in income for you. Like you're always going to have to go back out and get that next sale, just like I did in door to door. That's one reason why that was one of the big reasons that I, that I, that I uh, got out of that because I realized that like, Hey, even if I'm 35 and I've been doing door to door for 15 years at that point, then like, I'm still going to have to go out and knock on doors to get sales. That's it. That's the name of the game. And sure, I'll get some more from referrals and my production might be, you know, 20 or 30% increased at year 15 because of the additional referrals and the fact that people know me as the alarm guy or the solar guy or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, if I really want to go increase revenue, I have to go knock on more doors. And that was the reason that I, I was just like, I don't want to be doing that for 15 years. Um, so that's going to be the same thing for you if you're treating networking like an in-person cold calling. So if we don't treat it that way, then what is it, right? So I, the way that I teach it is just networking is just like any other relationship. It's, it's your networking is just building friendships with people. Um, a lot of people treat those two activities completely different. Like one of them's work and one of them's fun. When I do my best quote unquote networking it's in fun settings. It's like having fun with people. And that's what really builds those relationships because ultimately like the thing that the, 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 the reason that people are going to refer you business is not because they met you at an event and have your business card. The reason people refer you business is because they trust you. It all comes down to, to trust yep. and trust isn't a, the more hands you shake game. Trust is a, how many friends do you have game? And, um, like the only way to really build true friendships and build trust with people is to, uh, spend time with them and to add value, spend time with people, add value to people. It's really not that hard, but you have to do that the right way. Cause if you do it in that spammy way, then you're just going to turn people off and have a bad reputation instead of a good reputation. And so you have to, you have to look at, you have to look at what can I give, not what can I get? And then you have to build friendships, not go network. What's the magic number of people or maybe, maybe I'm saying it the wrong way, but you know, if I go to a networking event, let's just call it a two hour event. Yeah. Um, how many people should I meet? I think that really plays, I think the answer is you play to your strengths in a situation like that. So you have to be self-aware enough to understand, like for me, I'm an introvert um, by nature. So I do not get energized by talking to a bunch of people. It drains me. It drains my energy. So if I'm at a situation like that, I know that in a two hour event, it's probably not going to be fruitful for me to go talk to 25 people for three minutes. Mm -hmm. 
um, it's probably going to be more beneficial for me to go talk to two or three people for 30 minutes a piece and really try to actually get to know them and then build some sort of like a post meetup um, re-engagement to continue having that conversation with them. Um, so the, uh, the other, the other side of that is if you're an extrovert, um, then it might make sense for you to go talk to a bunch of people because maybe that's how you get your energy and you like talking to people and, and you can rattle off a conversation with somebody in three or four minutes and then move on to the next person. Like, I think it really just, I don't think there's a really great answer for that, except for that you have to be self-aware and play to your strengths. Um, you know, if you're an extrovert, use that to your advantage. Like, it's cool that you, that you can be like the center of attention, that you can bring that energy to a room and that you could be in a group of three or four people and that they're probably all focusing on you. Like, like use that, harness that, don't suppress that and try to be more of an introvert because that's the way, you know, that you were told that works the best. Like, I, I think you're, it's a very much play to your strengths type of a situation, as long as you're not using that five minutes to pitch your stuff. Like you can't just use it as a five minute elevator pitch. Don't let the other person talk at all and then move on to the next person. That's just networking Ned back in action. But networking Ned is like the person that I call is like the worst networker of all time. And we all know somebody that's like that. So um, don't, don't be the networking Ned of the meetup, right? So you don't want to, you don't want to have that. um, You don't want to leave that impression in people's minds where it's like, Oh yeah, I talked to that guy. Well, I mean, he talked to me. I didn't really say anything to him. You know what I mean? Like, cause he just talked the whole time. So, um, if you're going to do that, if you're an extrovert and you're going to do that, then just try to make it a habit to let the other person talk 90% of the time. And you talk 10% of the time, which means that you got to get real good at asking good questions. Um, and that will provide a lot better conversation and a lot better memory in that person's mind of who you are. Um, then, um, uh, than the uh, than the opposite of that because people will never really remember what you say, but they will always remember how you make them feel. And how do you make people feel good? You let them talk about themselves. So if you let somebody talk about themselves and talk about how awesome they are, and you just continue asking questions, um, and, and the key here is you have to be genuinely interested in what they have to say. You can't just manufacture this fake curiosity to try to make somebody feel good about themselves. But be genuine about it. Look for the things that you can compliment. Say something nice about them. Like even if, like maybe you don't like their business model, but maybe they, maybe they uh, have been in the industry longer than anybody else in the room. Like commend them on that. You don't have to be fake and say compliments about, you know, stuff that you don't actually believe or that you actually think. But look for the things that you can like say something good about them and pick those out in the stories and say, wow, it's incredible that you were able to, you know, stick in this industry for so long. You mind if I ask you a question or two about that? Like having that interest in other people is just going to make them feel significant and important. And then, like I said, they'll always remember how you make them feel afterwards. So they may not even remember the context or the the content of the conversation, but when they leave, they're going to remember that like, hey, when I talked to Todd, like it was a good conversation and he seems like a cool guy that's the impression they're going to leave with, which is much better than, uh, oh yeah, that guy wouldn't shut up about his new business model and his new offer that he wants to sell me into. Like he, uh, he's going to send me a text tomorrow. I give him my phone number. That was a mistake. You know what I mean? Like there's a huge difference between those two types of interactions. Yeah. I, I can't remember what book it was. There was a book that uh, the guy went to a, a party or something and, and uh, talked to a woman and she talked the whole time. He asked yeah. her a couple of questions, talked the enti- she talked the entire time, barely got her, his, any words and didn't talk at all about himself. And later uh, she told, you know, the host of the party that I think it was my, maybe a Dale Carnegie book uh, that they met, you know, Dale was the nicest guy she's ever met. And he's like, and I didn't even say anything. I just asked yep, a couple questions. Exactly. And that's exactly. what people, what she said, he was the most interesting, you know, well engaged and, and nicest person she's ever met. Yep, yep, exactly. Because people talk about herself. Yeah, people's <laughs> capacity to like mem- to remember everything that you talk about is really really low. Sure. But um, they'll always remember the like the feeling that they get by talking to you. So just try to keep that in mind, and you know, try to make conversations about other people, uh, others facing, and just add value where you can. So speaking of that, you know, adding value where you can. I mean. W- what what are you looking for when you're when you're talking about adding value and, and re-engaging with other people because that's part of building that network sure so there's uh, an entire exercise that i put together for this because i think that it's a really important aspect to this whole conversation um and it's not a blanket statement because it's going to be different for every single person that's listening to this yeah um 
for instance, when I first started into this online world, I had next to zero value to offer to basically anybody. I didn't have a good network at the time. The, the, the richest person that I knew before I started my podcast was making $150,000 a year. That was the most successful person that I had ever like had a relationship with. And so when I started, I didn't have, I didn't have much to offer. You know, I didn't have like a crazy amount of money. I didn't have, uh, you know, awesome connections. Um, I didn't have a platform to share with people. I didn't have an audience for them to put them in front of. I didn't really have much, but what I, what, what I did look into was what, like, what do I have? What can I offer people? And usually if you're beginning, the answer is going to be time. So the reason I use this as an example, because I think that it's important to have everybody understand that there's something that they can do to add value, regardless of where you are in your journey. I use this example all the time because it, um, I think makes a lot of sense. So I don't know if you know who John Lee Dumas is, but yeah. he, so he's a top entrepreneurship podcaster. He's been in the space since like 2012. Um, he teaches podcasting. He's, he's the man when it comes to business podcasting, he's put over like 2,100 podcast episodes now. Um, he's made seven figures in the industry since like the year after he started his show since 2013, he's made like multiple seven figures every year through podcasting. And, uh, so when I started my podcast, I knew that I wanted to go learn from him because that's basically my formula is if I want to get good at something, I go connect with the people who do it the best. And then I learn directly from them. Hmm. And, um, so that's what I wanted to do. And I knew that I wanted to get in touch with John, but he didn't offer one-on-one coaching anymore at the time. And so I was looking for another way to try to get in touch with him. And uh, he was doing a Kickstarter campaign for his second journal release at the time. And um, one of the prizes was it was $6,500 donation in exchange for like a three-day mastermind at his house. And um, there was going to be like six other, five other people there. So after like three weeks of really toiling over, cause this is before I ever spent any money on myself. Like I never invested money to myself. The biggest thing I ever bought before this purchase was like a $25 audiobook. You know what I mean? So like $25 to 6,500 plus flights and food and all that stuff. Like it was an $8,000 weekend was all said and done. And the most I'd ever invested was 25 bucks. So it took me a while to make the decision. I almost actually ended up missing out on the opportunity because of it. Um, but anyway, I, I booked it and I went down there. And I was just, my, my goal for the weekend was to get some stuff. Sure. And I wanted to get some knowledge. Sure. But it was really like, how do I differentiate myself to John? Because a lot of people pay for his stuff, but aren't friends with him. You know what I'm saying? So like, how can I actually, how can I actually add value to somebody like this? He's got more money. He's interviewed the best people in the space. Like he, he has a big audience. He's got the list. Like I don't have anything to offer is what it seemed like. And, uh, so I even went as far, this tells you like how much I think about this stuff, bro, because, um, I even went as far as to go buy a brand new, uh, drone because one of the things that I'd experienced in, when, in college, when I was just like making money for whatever I would do, I, I learned photography for a while and I shot a few weddings and things like that. So I was like, Oh, I know I'll take some cool pictures of the event, the experience and their house. Cause it's an awesome house in Puerto Rico. Um, and I'll, and I'll provide all of, all of that to them for free so they can use it in marketing and promotions and all that stuff. And that'll be my value add. Right. So I go buy this brand new drone. It was a, uh, it was GoPro's drone, the, uh, karma, I think it's called, uh, karma, uh, so whatever it is. Um, it's something like that. And, uh, so I, I go buy this drone and I, I flew it one time. And I didn't fly it a lot because at the time we lived in, uh, in, in, in an area that was right next to a Northrop, which is like restricted airspace. So I couldn't even like test fly it very much. And so we get down to Puerto Rico and the first night I was like, I'm going to take this bad boy out for a spin, you know? So I go on the roof of the condo that we're staying at there and a couple other people that were attending the mastermind came up there with me to watch it. Cause this was back when like drones were like really getting big, right? This was like 20, 2017 so it was yeah like yeah. when drones were like just Fairly starting right. yeah right right like everybody's like whoa is that a drone you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um so i i take it out and i fly it over and it was just beautiful views i was just like looking at um the entire like coastline of puerto rico at sunset and it was like wow it's crazy and then the battery starts to get low so i was like okay i have time to bring it back right i had thought that the um uh landing process was just like super automated 
and come to find out it's not as automated as I thought it was supposed to be. So as you can probably already imagine, uh, I start to land the drone and I realize that it's not really precise on the way that it's landing. And we're on this like tiny rooftop of this condo. So the area to land it in was a very tight space. And so I brought it in and I was going to land it and then it hit this plant and then like spun out, crashed into the wall and two of the propellers broke and um, just like, you know, basically crashed and burned in front of me along with my dream to add value to JLD during this, during this weekend on night one, right? And so I was like, okay, well, there goes that idea. And then one of the other people that was attending the mastermind, I like had to bring it up to him that night, you know, so I had to like own up to the fact that I crashed my drone, uh, which was, you know, super embarrassing, especially in, in front of somebody that I was trying to impress, you know, <laughs> and um, uh, so from that point on that weekend, I was like, I got to find a way, I got to find some way to add a little bit of value uh, to this conversation. I just didn't know what it was. And then uh, we we're having a conversation about uh, the fact that he was going to be keynoting at this big podcasting event coming up and he was running a booth to sell his journals at the event. And he, he asked me, since he knew my, my sales background, if I'd be willing to stop by and spend like 10, 15 minutes with the guy that they were having working the booth um, to give him some tips on like closing and selling. And so I said, bro, I'll just work the booth for you. And uh, so that's what I did. I got out there on my own dime. I let them ship all the stuff to me and I drove it all there to the event because I lived in SoCal and the event was in SoCal and uh, it saved them money on cost because they didn't have to ship it to the hotel for them to hold it. So they shipped it to my house. I drove it all there. I set up the table, unpacked it all. I brought a friend with me and like I worked for free for three days, like three full. And if you ever work trade shows, like you know how much of a of a, a task it is, but I had done a bunch of them with water and solar and um, alarms and all these other past ventures that I'd been in. So I was just like, Hey, I have, I have experience with this and I have time. So let me just do this. And I didn't even get to spend a ton of time with him at the event because he was just all over the place, but I did get to have like extra communication with him and his girlfriend, Kate. And then he asked me to come to the next event with him at uh, Thrive, which was like a couple months later, where he was also speaking and sell journals there, which means I got to spend more time with them and stay in constant communication with them during that time. Um, and um, fast forward to today, and, and he's a really good mentor of mine. Like he's been an unofficial mentor of mine for the last couple of years. Um, he's made some good introductions for me. Um, I've, he's, he's even... Uh, referred a lot of coaching clients to me that because he doesn't take on one on one coaching clients. And I was doing a lot of one on one podcast coaching, he referred people to me, um, and all that good stuff. And like now he's asking me for like testimonials for him to put in some of his other marketing and, same, and things like that. And it's like a like a real friendship now. And we've hung out at a bunch of different events. I went to Australia with them. Like, uh, we've, you know, just been able to build an actual friendship. And um, it started off by just looking for a way to add value in whatever way I possibly could. And understanding like, hey, I may not have the money, I may not have the connections, I may not have the success or the network or any of those things, right? But I do have time and I have a little bit of sales experience. So let me use that, right? So I, you know, at this stage in my career, like I wouldn't be able to do something like that. It wouldn't make sense for me time-wise, right? But at that point, I was essentially starting a new career. I was starting from the beginning in an industry that I didn't understand at all, um, which takes a little bit of humility at the time because like, you know, I was pretty good at what I did in door to door. And if I worked those three days that weekend selling the product that I was selling at the time, it could have easily been a five figure weekend for me. Um, so to like do all of that and do go work some other guy's booth and sell $40 journals that I got 0% commission on for free and paid for my own hotel. Like that was all just because I was trying to add some value. Um, but that was the the length that I went to to try to add that value, even buying that that freaking drone that broke on me. Like all that stuff was just to be like, you know what? I know that it's about the value add. I know that it's about helping people. And if I can make that about helping people and I can actually search for a way to help them, then then I know that I'll be able to build some sort of a relationship with them. Um, and, uh, and it's, and it, it, when, especially when it comes to influencers, it's the opposite of how most people approach influencer relationships. Those people typically get hit up all the time with, Hey, bring me on your show. Hey, advertise for my show. Hey, send me, send an email to your list for me. Hey, do this for me. Do that for me. It's all about them. And so when you go to an influencer and make it about them, the actual person, instead of about you, then, um, you're going to be a little, you're going to differentiate yourself right off the bat through something like that. Um, 
The only caveat to all of this is don't go up to somebody and ask them, hey, how can I add value to you? Um, because that's just going to come off as disingenuous and make it seem like if they accept your value add, that there's going to be something that you ask of them. And it just like ruins the whole reason to do it to begin with. So if we're going to do it, like you need to do the research, like you're just giving them a task at that point. Like, Hey, how can I add value to you? I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about you. Like, what do you do? Do you have any connections? Like, do you have money? Like, I don't know how you can add value to me. Like, that's not my job. Your job is to figure out how you can add value to me and then just do it and then hope that it works out. If it doesn't work out, at least you put out some good into the universe and it's always going to come back on you anyway. Like the law of reciprocity is real. It may not come back directly from that individual, but it's going to come back in another way, guaranteed. Yeah. And that's so important what you said at the end. I, I get a lot of people that will say, hey, how, how can I help you? How can I add value? And I, it's, it's like, yeah, I have no clue who you are. I have <laughs> no clue what your skills are. So yep. I, I don't really know. Like, yep, what are you good exactly. at? Exactly. Right. Uh, and so maybe their version of good isn't like, isn't your version of good. Right. You know, it's like, Oh, I'm a great graphic designer. And it's like, they send you some designs. It's like, these are dog shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do I do at that point? You have, you're putting me in an awkward situation where I have to be like, Hey, this isn't good. So like, I'm not going to make an intro for you to some of like one of my top guests because you made some shitty graphic design for me. Like, that's not how it works. Like you're just coming across with this like attitude of, if I do this for you, you will do this for me. And, but I don't even want the thing that you're offering. And I think that's super important. Don't expect anything ever in return. You know, you, you went to it, you were hoping that through that you'd be able to get to know JLD, build a relationship. But at the same time, first of all, you didn't ask, right? You didn't ask him, what can I do for you? He was talking about that and you saw the opportunity. Your, your, your mind went, oh, boom, this is what I could do for him. Exactly. Hey, why don't you just let me do this for you? I'll do it. And you did it for free. You didn't expect anything in return and it ended up working out well for you, but you can't expect something positive in return um, when you're just going out and trying to help people. But you've got to give them value. And it doesn't always have to be in a business sense. I mean, shoot, maybe no. GLD needed... He wanted to, you know, I tell people like, look, if you, if maybe a guy wants to learn how to run a marathon and it doesn't yeah, help, right. you could be their training buddy. You could help them. You could, maybe you got fitness background, whatever. It, it could be simple stuff, golfing. Maybe they want to learn how to golf and you're good at golf. Well, then yep. Teach them how to golf. You know, those are opportunities to get in that door and to build a relationship with people, but you're adding a ton of value and you're not just going, Hey, what can I do for you? Yeah. And like you and, said, and, don't and, expect stuff in return. Don't expect anything in return. It just ruins everything. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, you, you have to be able to add value uh, without expecting things in return. And th- then I'll say this too. The, um, your network will always increase in direct proportion to the amount of value that you can add to somebody else. Mm. So that's why you can't neglect yourself. You always have to work on yourself. You have to make yourself a better person. You have to invest into yourself, invest into your connections, invest into your knowledge base, um, all those kinds of things. Because the more that you know, and then the more people that you know, and the more money that you make, and the more successful you are, the better the, 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 the better value that you can add to somebody else, which then allows you to be able to connect with more valuable and higher level individuals. Um, cause you will always be able to connect with people based on the value that you can add. Uh, yeah. so you always have to be able to work on yourself and make yourself like work on your skill sets. Uh, you know, uh, join a mastermind to get better connections. If you don't have any, like work on yourself first, because that way you'll be able to start adding value to people on a different level. Like now when I add value to somebody, like it's so much easier than volunteering three days of my time and working for free. Like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't take me that much now in order to be able to add value. That's probably even way higher than the value that I gave to that, even though it took me three full days to do it at that time. Now, like I can make that value up in a single email intro to somebody that they've been wanting to connect with or, um, you know, an email to my list or a guest spot on my show. Like there's now, now that I've continued to like work on myself and my business and my show and my network and all that stuff. Now it's way easier for me to add a higher amount of value in a much shorter period of time because I've continued to like, you know, make myself more valuable as a person. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So true. Um, so Travis, I got I mean, I, we could keep on talking. I could ask you a ton of questions, but I want to be respectful of your time. A couple more questions before we wrap up. First of all, what's a favorite book uh, that you can recommend to our listeners? Yeah, as you can see behind me, that I don't lack in my, in my uh, books there. Um, but uh, um, 
one book uh, on real estate or on business, real estate, mindset, whatever, whatever you like. Hmm. Okay. Let me say this one just because I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe you're, maybe your audience, maybe you're, maybe they're familiar with it. Maybe not. Um, but one of the big, the best money mindset books that I ever read and the way that I grew up, I grew up in a very strict, like religious type of a bubble. And my whole, my whole mindset around money was, you know, not healthy, uh, yeah. especially for somebody that wanted to make a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, so the book Secrets of the Millionaire Mind uh, oh, yeah. was was a big one for me when I when I first got started in all of this. So if you haven't read it, I recommend reading it. I uh, really recommend listening to it because T. Harbecker, the author, T. actually does the right. um, the reading on the audiobook, and uh, the audiobook is very engaging. Some people's audiobooks aren't that great, but this one's definitely worth doing on audio if, if you like the audio stuff. So um, I probably yeah, listened to that book like fifteen times. I bet love it. Yeah, it's yeah, I love that book. man. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely high on the list. What, uh, give me your, so where people can learn more about you and, and, um, you know, that give me kind of like a a breakdown of what your company does, like everything your company is doing right now. Sure. So you can learn everything about me over at travischapel.com. That's my personal site, uh, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com, travischapel.com. Um, you can find my pod, my link to my podcast there. If you're listening right there, so you can just search Travis Chapel or build your network. It'll pop up. Um, but uh, the main thing that we're working on now is we're actually kind of, uh, we're building out a new uh, offering that is a done for you podcasting service. Uh, so um, for the people out there that know they need a podcast, know they want a podcast, um, you know, they want to either build their network in their space with high quality and high caliber guests um, or they want to increase their authority or credibility by sharing the platform with those guests. Um, uh, or they just want to increase their revenue and have better lead gen and build a warm audience of, of uh, potential customers for their business. Whatever the reason, we'll build the podcast for you. So you don't have to learn the tech side. You don't have to hire people to do the tech side. Um, you don't have to create a new website or logo or artwork or uh, start recording or worry about a media host and distributing to iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. And um, like, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Basically my team will take on the, all the heavy lifting for you. So it starts off with a couple hour consultation with me where we'll work through like all the foundation and clarity building exercises that I walk with, that I walk through with my clients. That way we know that we're building the show that's actually going to be successful for you and not just like a show to have a show just for the sake of having one. Um, so we work through that side first and then my team takes it from there and does every, every single piece of the podcast all the way through to the launch, including a full month of post-production services as well. So you don't also, all you have to really focus on is the content and we'll even help you with like guiding you through how to create good compelling content too. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the main thing that we're working on in in 2020. So if anybody's interested in that, um, you can go to travishapple.com slash make my podcast and there's an application there. Um, we have got to do it by application only because we can only take on about three or four clients at a time. So, um, yeah, definitely go check that out. Cool. Cool. That sounds fantastic. Last question for you. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Oh, man, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I got to put who you know at the top of that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. got to be pillar number it's one is your network. Yeah. Um, for, for you, for sure. Yeah, if you, if you get around people that are just performing at a level that you're not used to performing on, you're going to change or you're not going to be able to stay in that circle. One of those two things are going to happen. Like they're going to recognize that you don't have the chops to continue like being there. Um, Or you're going to have to like just become a better person, which enables you to then make the money that you want to make in, in your wealth creation adventure. Like you have to become, you have to become a person that's capable of making the kind of money that, that, that those people make not, like it's not the other way around. You don't make the money first and then become the person. You have to become the person first and then you, the money comes after that. Um, so number one's got to be who you know. Um, you got to be your network. Uh, number two would say, I would say knowledge, uh, skill set, or whatever word you want to use there, skill set, knowledge, uh, your craft. Um, you just got to become, you got to become the best at what you do. Cause if you're, you can have the best network in the world, but if you're totally incompetent, uh, then uh, you're just going to waste all the opportunities that could potentially come your way. So, yeah. um, number two, I would say would be knowledge, like investing in yourself, your knowledge, your, your skill set, becoming excellent at what you do. Um, that's, that's gotta be uh, number two. And then number three, 
persistence. Um, if you can just stick in it longer than most people, then you'll do better than most people. Um, just as a rule of thumb, like if you can just show up and be persistent day after day, even if you don't see results for the first three, four, five years, but you can just keep doing it. Like you're going to see results and it's going to be better than all the other people that just like quit or stopped when it didn't go their way. Um, so just stick in it. If you, if you stick in it, something's going to click one of these times, you know, I have friends that took them 12, 15 different business opportunities before they found the one that actually took off for them. And, um, and the way that I say it is like, I, I am not in business if it works. I am in business until it works. And having that one little word shift in your brain uh, makes all the difference because one, one of them means like, oh, I'll try this business thing for the next three or four years, but if it doesn't work out, then, then I'll go get my stable job, right? That's version one. Version two is I will be doing this until I die or until I'm successful. There's a really big difference between those two attitudes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and that persistence too. I mean, when you see other people skyrocketing and you're not, you just, you have to be persistent. You have to push up on and you'll catch them and you'll pass them. Uh, if you're able to do that. Yep. I like that you said that the knowledge and skill set uh, you, you must have, because I see those networkers, the Ned guy that you talked yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. I see, I've seen those and they're fantastic networkers, but they're just incompetent. They haven't built that skill set, that knowledge, like they don't even know what to do with it. So they can build all these relationships and people are like, well, like, who are you? So we're right. not, you know, you're not going to be a connection eventually. Yep. None of it matters. Yep. None of it matters. Yeah. So awesome stuff. Um, Travis, definitely appreciate it. And ton of value you're able to add to the audience. Anything, any last remarks you want to make? Uh, no, man. Uh, I mean, biggest thing would say to anybody that's considering starting a podcast, uh, go check out that make my uh, slash make my podcast. Uh, there's a quick application. Yeah. Then we jump on a call and I'll tell you if I think it's a good idea for you to start one or not. Um, and I'm not one of those people that just says everybody is because I truly don't believe everybody should be doing it. Yeah. Um, but I'll look at your existing business. I'll look at what you have going on right now. And I'll say like, Hey, I think this is something that would work out. Cause the thing is I don't want to create unsuccessful podcasts. That just looks bad on me. So I'll only work with people that I think will actually be able to do well with it. Um, and if you enjoyed this conversation and the stuff that we talked about, especially when it comes to building your network and adding value, the number one way that I've done that is through my podcast, hands down, no questions asked. Um, so that, that, I mean, even if you only used it for that and you never made a dime off of it, it would still be 100% worth your time and effort and energy. And I'm sure Todd would agree with that. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely consider it if you haven't considered it. And if you want to chat about it, just head over to travschapel.com slash make my podcast and we'll have a quick phone call whenever that application's filled up. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a great offer because you're right. Podcasting is not for everyone. It's not, and it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's like a, a crazy amount of work, but there's plenty of work that goes into it. And if it's sure. not for you, you just wasted a lot of time and energy when you could have just had a quick conversation with Travis. Yeah, totally. Cool. Totally. Well, have a fantastic rest of the day and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Tom. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. 
I'll catch you on the next episode.